Please be seated. We, uh, it is a Sunday School Sunday, so we want to invite our five to eight-year-olds to head out to the barn with uh, Mr. Brown and Mrs. Kanicki for a time in God's Word and prayer and worship that is right at your level. They'll, they'll go. Sarah Francis, that's my, that's my kid. He's dragon. There we go. Hang on, let me get my timer on so I don't get long-winded. All right. If you guys have a Bible with you, please open it to Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7. We're going through the Ten Commandments, and, and that might seem a little strange because our culture kind of has a belief that rules are by their nature restrictive to human flourishing and freedom. Well, um, about a year ago, a year and a half ago now, when the pandemic was really, really, you know, restrictive, my wife was going, like, climbing the walls. She's like, we have to go camping. And so we went camping, and, um, and we were at this place down south, and, and, um, and she said, hey, it would be great if, if we could go, uh, uh, you know, take a hike and, and see the sunset, because the sun was starting to go down. And, and so we took our three littlest ones, Soji, who was two at the time, and we, we walked up, and, you know, we found this really pretty place. You know, you could see out, uh, you know, from this high point. We sat on a boulder, watched the sun go down. It was awesome. We're like, okay, we better go back. And then we turn around, and we're looking, and we're like, trees, logs, leaves, where's the trail? And there was no discernible trail. We had taken a trail there. We were sure of it, but we now could not find the trail back. And so Sharon and I were like, well, it's that general direction. And so we struck out in that general direction. And one of our kids, like you could guess who if you know them, starts melting down almost immediately like, oh, no, we're not getting back, are we? We're going to have to sleep out here. What if there's coyotes, you know? And I've got Soji on my shoulders. And, you know, so I'm starting to get, like, neck sweats from her sitting on my shoulders. But we're, we're going on. And then at a certain point, Sharon and I realized, probably both at the same time, Without saying anything, we were lost. Like, we didn't know which way was which. We didn't know where the path was. And so, we, you know, the sun's get really, like, it's starting to get dark. It's cooling down. Maggie and Abe, who were back at the campsite, told us later that they were considering going and getting help because they thought that we were <laughs> lost in the woods, which we were. And, and, then, and then, you know, just to, to put the cherry on this, perhaps poor choice of words, because I started to smell something. I was like, oh, it stinks. And I realized that the two-year-old on my shoulders had blessed me with a diaper that I was now having. I was like, oh, that's on my neck. And, um, and, and we're no closer to finding our way back. And it was a long time. I'm not sure how long. And we finally saw the road that we had taken in. And we were like, oh, my gosh, we're way off of our campsite. We were headed the wrong direction, but we found the road. You know what we didn't say? What a bummer. That road is restrictive. That road only goes one way or the other. It's not, we were free before. We were going anywhere we liked, you know? We were just shaking loose. Just uh, and, No, we rejoiced that we found the path. We rejoiced that our direction was restricted. It led us where we wanted to go. God's law is the same. It isn't about 
being a bummer. It isn't about restricting human, human flourishing and freedom. It's about enabling it. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments, we aren't seeing ten, things to, ten ways to, to please God and get into heaven. That's not what it is. Jesus does that for us. And guess what? In the Old Testament, it was by God's grace too. Common misconception that you earned salvation in the Old Testament. Never the case. Always God's grace. What the Ten Commandments are is God's fatherly instruction of how to walk the path, how to not get lost in the woods. So let's read the third commandment, which we'll be in today, Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that through your word, we would learn new reverence for your name and see how this commandment is a life-giving direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you who are old enough remember that in the 1990s, uh, there was an awful war in the nation, the new nation of Bosnia. And the Serbian military was carrying out what they called ethnic cleansing, which anyone else would call genocide. Tens of thousands of civilians were, were killed, and in ways that were horrific beyond imagination because part of the strategy of the Serb military was to intimidate. So it was not just death, it was, it was things that would make Nazis be like, dude, chill, <laughs> right? Now, I want to show you a picture, it's not gross, don't worry, a picture of one of those Serb military units on their way through Bosnia on the offensive, carrying out those heinous, vicious, uh, atrocious acts. Do you guys see this guy? What's he doing? What's this? Does anybody know? This is the traditional Serb military salute. You know why it's three fingers? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Throwing up the name of God, right? This is the Trinity salute in the Serb military. While he's going off to carry out acts that are so contrary to the heart of God that, that it, it, it flies in the very face of the idea that there is a loving, merciful God. For the Serb military... Their entire faith is reduced to, boom, salute, throw it up. And this is what it means for us to be a Christian nation. There is a surface with no substance beneath. They're Christian, they're throwing it up, claiming the name of God for themselves. But there's no substance, there's no life, there's no reality to it underneath. And this, this all-surface, no-substance dynamic, is something that has plagued the Christian church for many, many years. We see it all around our society. It's a plumber who throws a fish logo on their, on their uh, you know, ad, but has nothing in the way of, of honest practices and ethical principles that they practice. It's R. Kelly making a gospel album. You know, There's a lot of a lot of surface to it, claiming the name, singing praise, but there's no life substance beneath it. I'm guilty of it. 
when I get up and preach grace and gospel and forgiveness and then don't practice it in my own life, but dole out judgment. When we take the name of God and it's in name only, nominal, surface without substance, it's telling a lie about God. It's the same as if you took a a, a peanut butter label and slapped it on a jar of pickles. I hate pickles. And you would be telling a lie about peanut butter. Someone who's never had peanut butter is like, well, it sure is more crunchy than I thought it'd be. Or, you know, that's not what peanut butter is. It's mislabeled in the same way when we take the name of God for ourselves and there is no substance beneath that name. We tell a lie about God. The third commandment is not primarily about speaking the name of God. A lot of people think, well, don't take the name of the Lord. Don't use God's name as a cuss. Good, kept the commandment. But that is really not what it's about. Now, for, for, for those of you who have been in our Ten Commandments series, we're thinking about the Ten Commandments like a dartboard. Can I get the dartboard? Boom, there it is. All right, so when I play darts, I aim for the middle. And if I hit the bullseye, it's a time for celebration. If I hit the board, if I'm somewhere on the board, I'm still super happy with that because it's close to where I was aiming. But if I hit the wall, right, that is out of bounds. The Ten Commandments are the same. It's telling you where the wall is. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't worship another god. That's saying that's too far. Just because you don't commit murder doesn't mean that you've walked in love, which is the heart, the bullseye of the law. So we're going to go through the third commandment, what it means to break it, what it means to keep it, and what it means to fulfill it in love. Now before we do that, could I get uh, the 27 uh, back up there so we could take a look at it? There are three key words that you may be puzzling over. Take, name, and vain. What do those words mean? Right? That's really important to understand those if we're to understand what the third commandment requires. So take, the, it's the Hebrew word nasah, and it's an incredibly flexible word. It's, it, it appears 654 times in the Old Testament, and it can mean everything from speaking someone's name to picking something up and carrying it, right? But the basic action of, of taking something with you. Now, the, the way I know the third commandment isn't mainly about saying the name of God is there are really good Hebrew verbs for speaking, many of them. And, and Moses, or, or God in speaking this, could have been more specific if the main thrust of the third commandment was don't say my name wrong, right? It's, it's, it, to bear someone's name, to take the name, to nassau a name, it's kind of like uh, when an athlete goes to the Olympics and they've got, you know, Argentina on their jersey or, um, you know, Uganda. They're bearing the name of their nation and their conduct at the Olympics, their, their success in their athletic competition, their conduct and all that. It, they're, they're taking that name with them. And what they do bears on, the, uh, on what people think of, right, Uruguay or Jamaica or whatever. That's what it means to take the name. Now, the name doesn't just mean the combination of letters. Name in the Old Testament is the essence of a person. It's kind of like, um, you know, Derek Rose, the basketball player, had a resurgence this year, and a lot of critics were kind of 
poking fun at him, always going to get injured again. And the New York Knicks, who, who team he played for, they said, that's Derrick Rose. Put some respect on his name. You know what this man has done, right? It, it, it's not saying, hey, the combination of letters. It's saying respect Derrick Rose. Makes sense? So respect, it, to, to, to take God's name is to take God's essence, his reputation with us. And vain is the last one, and it, it simply means hollow or false. It's substance, surface without substance. Think of like the, the, the Easter bunnies that are hollow chocolate bunnies. Look fantastic, so disappointing when you bite in. It's all surface. There's nothing beneath it, right? So taking the, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. To break that means to treat God lightly, to treat God like he's nothing. And yes, that includes saying God's name carelessly, using, you know, the name of Jesus as a curse word or whatever, that would be a bad idea. But just because you don't do that does not mean you're not breaking it. Also, using God's name for our own interest. Look with me at Jeremiah 14, 14. It'll be hard to flip along, but you could read it on the screen. It says, And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. What are they doing? Why does a prophet give a lying vision? To make themselves important, right? It's using God's name for your own interest. And then also to take God's name is to have, have like a surface religion with no substance below it. Look at Isaiah 29, 13. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Saying that, that, that there's, it's all surface, no substance. It's all talk, no walk. Yes, they're doing religious services, but there's no life response underneath it. There's no heart and there's no action behind it. Now, a, an example that could be offensive, but I'm going with it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, President Trump posing in front of a church with a Bible, right? Yeah, you, can, you can vote for him and support some of his policies. I have no problem with that. But, like, let's be honest. He's holding a Bible he doesn't own, standing in front of the church. He does not attend. Why? He's trying to get evangelical votes for himself, right? It, it's using God's name. There's no substance there. There's no life there. And, by the way, he's not alone, AOC has done this, John McCain did this, Bill Clinton did this, Richard Nixon did it. Politicians do it all the time. They'll use God's name even though there is no real substance underneath this religious pose. That's to treat God lightly. Well, what does that mean for us? Well, let's take care of God's name, right? Let's not say it carelessly or as a cuss, but more more important than that is not using God's name for our own interest. A lot of the time, we put on a religious performance to get approval from the right people. You know, you post the right thing on Facebook. A lot of people build their social media brand by posting a Bible verse to get likes, not to encourage or to praise God. Here's a big one. 
it, it, it's to, you know, I, I've seen this many times. You know, you're, there's a group of people trying to decide, well, what should our church do or what should this group do? Well, let's pray about it. And then someone says, well, God told me that I'm right. And so you guys need to get on my side or else you're opposing God. It's like the lying prophets. I didn't tell them that, God says. But someone will say, God told me, or thus says the Lord. Why? To increase their power in that situation, to get their way. That is using God's name vainly. And then it's to live a life that is, is surface Christianity without the substance underneath. I, I, I got to admit to you guys that I... I have become aware of many situations lately of pastors, some of them prominent, who were living completely duplicitous lives. You know, that were preaching the gospel and all this stuff and putting on this great show. And in reality, their, their personal lives were not honoring to God at all. Right? It's talking a good game with no walk behind it. I know that I specialize in making people think that I'm loving and caring and gracious, you know? A lot of the time, that can simply be a performance I'm putting on to make people approve of me, right? But that, all of those things are to be on the wall, to be breaking the, the, the third commandment, to treat God's name lightly. So what does keeping it look like? Well, it looks like honoring God. I, I love this. You can if you want to do, ever do a little study for yourself, look at the, every time the Bible says to fear God, right? That, that means honor him. It means respect. It means treat him not lightly, but weighty. Literally, the word for glory, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. It means heavy. Treat God like he's heavy, like it's weight, like his name is weighty. And so, uh, you know, speak his name with respect. So uh, Psalm 29, 2 says this, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So it's to speak God's name with respect. We should take care. We should put respect on God's name, not use it frivolously. But more than that, it's to live for God's glory. Instead of using God to burnish our reputation or our power, we, we flip that around. It, it, like, like Paul says in Colossians 3.17, he says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of, Lord Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You're not asking in the moment, how can I put on a good enough performance online or in person to, to manipulate people's opinion of me so they think well of me? You are thinking, how can I honor God in this situation? L let's put ourselves in the room where people are making a decision, you know, like our governors will be doing. It's not saying, how can I use God's name to get my way right now? Instead, it's saying, hey, let's be careful. Let's seek counsel. Let's search the word. Let's pray. Let's wait. Let's pray some more, seek more counsel. And then, you know, with fear and trembling, say, what decision honors the Lord? That's what it is to live for God's glory, to honor God. And also, you know, the way that we walk, the ethics of our life ha have a lot to do with, with avoiding the wall. It, it's to have substance behind the surface. And Proverbs 14.31 says this, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. 
right? So, so what you do, your ethical life, how you treat other human beings is a direct impact on how you're treating God. You insult God if you oppress the poor, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. There's got to be walk with the talk. That is how we honor God. So what this looks like in real life, and um, I, I not too long ago stood in the city of, the ancient city of Smyrna, which is uh, now Turkey, and there was a, a famous incident there. During one of the, one of the persecutions of the church, there was the, the bishop of Smyrna, a guy named Polycarp, was arrested. He was 86 years old, which back then was like you were a wizard if you lived through that long, you know. And he was brought, he was condemned, and he was brought into the arena to be executed. Some accounts say by being thrown in a giant boiling cauldron and others burned at the stake. Both amount to the same thing. You can imagine this. 86-year-old Polycarp without the benefit of modern medicine, probably shuffling across the sand of that arena. The jeering crowd who would like nothing better than to watch this man die. But then the, the, the Roman um, official, see the Romans had a great respect for age. And when the Roman official saw how old Polycarp was, he said, okay, how could I spare this dude's life? I don't want to put to death an old man. And so he begs Polycarp. He says, hey, please don't make me do this. All you have to do is renounce the atheists. And the Romans called Christians atheists because they didn't believe in the gods. And so Polycarp looks up at the jeering crowd, we're told, and he says, I denounce the atheists. Right? It's clever. Um, and, and the Roman official realizes what he had done. He says, no, no, no. I need you to denounce the name of Jesus. And I, I just couldn't picture Polycarp, right? Like, he's like, I've lived to 86, I'm good. And he, you know, just shake his head to the Roman official and say, he said, 86 years, he has done me no wrong. How could I blaspheme my God and Savior now? And Polycarp went to his death that day. That's what it is to honor God. When faced with the choice of dishonoring God's name or death, Right, the opposite of using God to your advantage, it's when God is to your disadvantage. He speaks his name with respect, lives for God's glory, and there was substance to his walk. We've got to ask ourselves, any decision we make, you know, anything that we're doing online, is this, is this venting my spleen at someone honoring to the Lord? What does this action like, if I bear the name of God with me, you know, I'm like an Olympic athlete that says Yahweh across my jersey. Like, what, what, what does this do? Is this going to honor God's reputation? Or is it going to give people a reason to say, yeah, that I knew all that Christianity stuff was fake anyway? There's got to be substance to our walk if we want to honor God. You don't just have the framed verse, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You serve the Lord. You don't just say, I'm going to pray for you. Anyone ever do that? Oh, I'll pray for you, and then you don't. Like, if you say you pray for someone, pray for them. Right? Instead of putting on a performance to win approval, we're mainly concerned with how our behavior, how our actions and our words reflect on God. Now, I want to be clear about something. I, I w when I first became a Christian, it was like, well, you want to be a good witness, so you want to pretend to be morally perfect, right? 
Can we think, you guys ever, can I get a nod? Yeah, like, like being a good witness means pretending, convincing people I don't have any problems. Is that consistent? Is that actually honoring to God? What's the gospel? Is that I'm a hopeless sinner without Jesus to die for me who's worthy of hell. That's the gospel, right? Like, if I sin, the way I honor God is by not covering it up, but by admitting it and asking for forgiveness. That's how we honor God, truly. It's not by pretending, but by being real, by there being substance, by us walking in a manner that is consistent with the gospel. That is how we honor God. That's what it means to be on the board, okay? We, we, we carry around the name of God. And we put respect on it. We honor it. So what is, the, what is the bullseye? What does it mean to fulfill this commandment in love? Well, it's to hallow God's name. Those of you who know the Lord's Prayer have probably heard that old-timey word, hallow. It's very good. Uh, in, in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What in the world does hallowed mean? Hallowed means may, your, may you cause your name to be recognized as holy. It's for people to come to see and acknowledge the holiness of God. That's what hallowed means, right? And, and the ultimate fulfillment of, of this is Jesus, of course. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, Paul says this, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, think of this. Before Jesus, where was Yahweh worshipped? In sort of the rump state of Israel, what was left of it, Judea. And then not always. And then some diaspora communities, a little bit. After the life of Jesus, the one who truly honored God to the utmost, who, who perfectly represented God's character and showed what God's name is all about, the true substance under the surface, what happened to the worship? Like today, where is the one true God worshipped? The answer is every tongue, every tribe, every continent, every language for thousands of years. So Jesus hit it out of the park. He nailed right in the middle. He fulfilled to the utmost what it is to not take the name of the Lord in vain. He hallowed God's name. Now, we are not going to do that. <laughs> we are not going to match Jesus. That, we, we, we might like to. It's not going to happen. Guess what? You're not even going to get to Fannie Lou Hamer levels, right? Uh, or, or William Wilberforce or... or, or Oscar Romero or someone like that who lived a life of, of real substance that brought glory to God's name. What, what does it look like in real life for us to, to aim for the bullseye? When I first became a Christian, um, I, I, I did so accidentally at a church that wasn't aware I was there and basically ignored me. And I, I didn't really ever see, I didn't know anybody there. I, I didn't see anybody like most of the kids who went to this church, I went to high school with, and it was, it was surface without substance uh, to the T. But then I met through, through the music world, I, I met this guy named Jason Carson, who I, I played in a band with for a long time, but he was the first one I had seen. He was a high school student, and there was a genuine love for Jesus. 
He, he worshiped like no one was watching. He didn't care. He was spending time with God. He talked enthusiastically about the freeing power of the gospel. He was passionate about opening the word. We would pray together. I was around this guy a lot, and he, was, he would never claim to be perfect, and he wasn't, and he still isn't. I'm still good friends with him. Uh, but there was reality under the surface. He didn't just name the name of Christ. He endeavored to, to, to bring glory to God's name, to live it for real. And when I saw that, I said, well, well that's how I want to follow Jesus, right? His life inspired me to follow more ardently and truly after God. When people are around you, whether or not they are currently walking with Jesus, and you are the real deal, the solid chocolate bunny, so to speak, it's inspiring. It makes people glorify God to see someone who really takes this seriously, not who pretends to perfection, but someone who truly lives out the gospel, who, who, who has substance under the surface, who has walk with the talk. When you practice compassion, wouldn't that be wacky? If everything you posted on social media was compassion for the other side, well, what could happen there? People see it, right? When you are sincere, like ethically sincere, you say something and then you do it. You're consistent. When people see that, it is, it's a beautiful thing. And you all, guys all know, you've known people who are the solid chocolate bunny, and it, it absolutely inspires you to follow Jesus. When you live with moral integrity, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that you need to be some holier-than-thou person. Yes, Jesus would be at the kegger, but Jesus would not be getting high at the kegger and hooking up with randos, you know? Like, moral integrity, you know, you know living, living in obedience to God for real uh, is inspiring to people. When you're there for someone in their worst moment, when everyone else flees from someone when they're at their lowest, and who shows up? You. Why? Because that's consistent with God's character. That's where God meets people, you see? That's how we bear the name of God. That is how we bring honor to it. That is how we hallow God's name. How do we get there? Like, how, how do we, like, we, I want to be that. I want to hallow God's name. I want to live in such a way that it, it actually inspires people to follow Jesus, right? I want to be the solid chocolate bunny. How do we do that? Is it a matter of wanting to? Well, that's part of it. Is it a matter of repenting of where we are hitting the wall? Absolutely. It is a matter of, of self-examination and seeing where our lives aren't honoring to God, of course. But the real key is to go deeper and deeper into the worthiness of God. Why are we to, uh, to, uh, um, to not treat him lightly, to honor him and hallow his name? It's because he's worthy of it. Because that's the reaction God deserves. The other night, Maggie and I, and Abe, we, 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 couldn't, we were listening to the playoffs. We can't get it on TV because we don't have cable. But it was, uh, anybody watch Suns Clippers, that, that game? It was, okay, sports play is what I just said to some of you. There's sports happening. It's very important. This was, a good, this was a good game. And at the end of the game, the, 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 the Suns were down one point with 0.8 seconds left. And we're sitting there like, I, I, I don't love the Suns, but I do hate the Clippers, so I had skin in this game. 
and I'm listening to this thing, and Maggie's listening to it, and Abe's listening to it, and they're, we're like, oh, I was like, honey, 0.8 seconds, there's not much hope, 0.8 seconds down one, I don't, it's, it's kind of a catch and shoot, and, and then the announcer on the radio is like, they're going to inbounds, they're going to inbounds, and the next thing he says is, and it's good, and we all looked at each other, and we're like, what? And it turned out what had happened is from the, in, like the inbounds passer just threw the ball above the bucket, and Aiton goes up and, and just alley-oops the thing. 0.2 second play. Like nothing that's ever happened. Like it's an unprecedented play. And we were just in the kitchen like it was the game winner. We were flipping out. Yay! Like no one had to coach us on how to react. The play was worthy of that reaction, you see? When, when you get the worthiness of it, you react. If our, if our honor for God, if, we're, if our lives are not putting respect on God's name, yes, we need to repent, but most of all, we need to go deeper and see the worth of God. To understand who God is, how much he loves us, what he has planned for you and for his world. And how do we do that? It is through his word. It is through prayer. It is through walking in community. And as we are about to go to communion, this is another place where we can reflect on and go deeper into the worth of God. Please pray with me.